0: it's time for you to add value. Today's guest is Kurt Mercadante. Kurt helps individuals, businesses, and teams become more purposeful, productive, and prosperous. Kurt has trained, coached, and delivered keynotes and workshops to clients across the globe. Kurt and his wife, Julie, live in Sedona, Arizona with their four children, and following a year of traveling the country on a freedom lifestyle adventure. Kurt shares a concept of fasting the mind to allow space for creativity. Too many people are living constantly in fight, flight, or freeze mode, and they don't have the opportunity for a healthy thought life because their brain is constantly in panic mode. Identity is an illusion, so if it is an illusion, why not create the identity that serves you and your future self? Well, Kurt, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to this great conversation and just learning about your journey and your entrepreneurial experience.
1: Yeah, Robert, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the opportunity and uh, love how you reached out. I, I know we had a, had a little bit of illness and had to reschedule, so I'm, I'm glad we uh, found the time to do this.
0: Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, I mean, I, I definitely want to get to how you spent the last year and and made that transition, but, but let's talk a little bit about starting into your entrepreneurial journey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I grew up. Um, And my dad was a a mechanical engineer. And when I was about nine years old, and this story is more educational to me than any ounce of schooling, all those hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Got college, school, blah, 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 all this. This one story was the greatest learning experience I've ever had in my life. Mm. My dad had been president of Fortune 500 companies. I mean, he rolled out the first digital sewing machine actually missed my birth for Singer, Uh, you know, worked on uh, the space program, designed uh, switches and jets, designed all the switches on the Boeing 777, right? He did all these great things. But in the mid nineties, my dad was a bit older when he had me, uh, when he and my mom had me and he was in his mid fifties and he had been president of a company and lost his job. Now, He's in his mid-50s. It was like 84. The economy wasn't all the way back yet from the stagnation of the 70s. and But he never complained. He didn't complain about ageism. He didn't complain about no one wants to hire him. He didn't complain about all that. What he did was he went out and got a newspaper route. My dad was in his mid-50s, worked on the space program, mm. had been president of these companies, went and got a paper route. Mm. And you know, his father grew up during the Great Depression and said – don't rely on assistance if you can work. Mm,
0: so and it wasn't good. a judgment
1: against anyone who who is and is in need. He just said, no, I'm not doing that. would not got a paper route. He would get me up at three in the morning. My parents would. We'd jump in the station wagon. We'd go to this warehouse where I would have to fold up the Chicago Sun-Times. I think we also did the Tribune. The distribution did both of them. My hands would be black with ink. I'd put them in the plastic bags. We'd load them in the station wagon, drive around. It'd be freezing. And I'd throw these things. I was nine years old. I hated it, right? Right. And my dad, for a while, kept at it. But then he said, you know what? I'm not finding a job that I want. I'm not gonna be a newspaper boy (laughs) at 55 for the rest of my life. I'm gonna reinvent myself as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And he did. He went on to have another 20 plus years as a consultant, an entrepreneur, doing incredible things, working with some major companies. And what I learned from that, it wasn't just, hey, suck it up and do what you can to support the family. There was certainly a lot of that. And I learned to get up at three in the morning and do a job at nine years old. But what I also learned was my dad didn't settle for that. Mm. He didn't settle for that. He didn't say, woe is me, ageism, no one hires me, I'm a victim. What I learned was he said, screw that. I'm going to create the life I want. I don't care if I'm 55, 25, 75, whatever it is. I'm starting my own business and I'm going to do it and it's going to be fulfilling. And he did that for another 20 plus years and loved it. And so what I learned from that was, you know, it was a, it was you're nine years old, right? You are at a, an important stage in your life. And I learned about entrepreneurship as he did that. I learned that if you don't like your situation, change it. Because the life you're living is the one that you create no matter what. And I learned not to settle. And yeah, I learned do what you can to support your family. That's of course. But see, a lot of people look at that and do what you can to support their family. And they use that to justify a career or a business that feels more like a prison Mm. until the day they die. And he said, no, I'm going to support the family, but I'm not going to live this life for too long. I'm going to create what I want. So I had the entrepreneur bug. I had an older brother. He's 20 years older than me. He was an entrepreneur. So I had that entrepreneurial bug all through my 20s. And so in my late 20s, I didn't get the memo that you're supposed to have run a business or something like that or been a president. I started my own PR and ad agency nice. when I was uh, 28. I made six figures that first year, grew it to over a million and four years ago. I woke up on a Tuesday morning, had grown to be unhealthy, have anxiety attacks, be on a cocktail of prescription drug, wasn't fully present with my wife or kids. And I fired every single one of my clients at peak revenue and shut down my agency. And I started over because I wanted to work with people who give a darn, entrepreneurs, who the difference between a successful effort and branding and sales effort for them means whether or not they put food on the table Hmm. or their family has a home, right? And so it's the toughest thing I've done to bring it down to zero and build it back up. But it's the third business I've built this is the toughest, but the most fulfilling and rewarding.
0: Oh, so much good stuff in there. So, first of all, our dads have are cut from a similar cloth. Um, my dad, my dad was a steel worker, and I was, I was eleven years old instead. And and they laid off twenty five hundred workers at the steel mill, and and everybody was, oh, they'll bring us back, and we can live on unemployment. And my dad's like, no, and he went, he moved, moved two hours north and and started a job at half the salary and and you know without without the benefits you know sold the family dream home and started over in a a mobile home but never complained and never just just did what he had to do to take care of the family so I love I love that I love that resiliency and thank you for reminding me of of that and yeah and then my Thank wife for sharing. Yeah, my wife and I did a, a, a late night newspaper route. We only threw 100 newspapers, but we drove 100 miles to do it. So the bon- the money was in oh the gosh. was in the driving, right? It was a mile between between papers, but that that black on your fingers folding papers and, and just doing, you know, doing what you got to do to to take yeah. care of your family and and uh, and not not be a victim, not be the woe is me. I, you know, I can be responsible for I can be responsible for my life and the things that I have and the way that I'm caring for my family. So absolutely.
1: And, and, you know, there's, there's folks who are, that I've worked with who are in a career that, that, that is unfulfilling Mm. and they want to get out. It feels like a prison and we'll be working together, but we haven't fully defined their vision of where you want to go. And so um, like in the middle of us working together, they'll say, you know what? I got this other job offer. I'm going to take it. I hate my current job. I don't want to take it. And I say to him, okay, does it – and sometimes they'll say, do you think that's a good idea? I say, well, does it fit your vision for the life you want to live? Well, I don't know. But it's a new job and I got to get out. And the one thing I caution them on is, listen, if, if, if you have no money and you absolutely need money, then do what you need to support, right? And, and I'm never going to judge anyone on that. But if you're okay on money for a little bit, maybe you need a little bit of money. If you need to quit your job because it's toxic, okay – don't make a long-term solution to solve short-term pain, meaning they think they can jump into another company while we're working together and say, well, I'll just work there for six months. I said, think realistically, you're going to make a commitment to them. Six months of onboarding, learning everything, making these relationships. You're going to put all your other stuff aside. Next thing you know, you're in this job for another two or three years. How do you know if you haven't defined your vision, that is you're not trading one prison for another simply because the new prison has a fresher coat of paint or new landscaping. (laughs) You're better off quit, get a paper route, get a job at Starbucks so that you're not mentally attached to the new job while you work toward the career. Now people may say, well, that's easy if you have money in the bank. You're right. If you don't have any money in the bank you need to survive. Yes, of course do what you can, but you're going to, if you make another career move thinking it's short term, that's not really fair to you yourself. And it's not realistic given that you'll probably be there another two or three years. It's going to take up all your time. And if you've traded one prison
0: for another, you're going to be right where you started. Well, it's not, and it's not fair to the company that, that, that you're asking to, to make an investment in you. And, and definitely that's a character, a character statement that says, you know what, this isn't a short term gig. I like the idea of right. Starbucks or, you know, some, even a walmart greeter right if you have to do that for six months it's easy to get out of that but it's it's what you're doing to put money in the bank and pay the bills yeah it's challenging right because you feel like the toxic environment has these things but if you don't identify what you want you'll jump from one toxic environment into another and it's like jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire because you thought well it was new But it's a new I fire. <laughs> it's not any better than the old one because you haven't determined, you haven't outlined what it is that you're really after and what it is that's really causing this, this stress and strain in the, in this other situation.
1: Yeah. And you, you said something that's very important, which is define what you want. Mm. Cause we often define what we don't want. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want this job. Well, the universe is interesting. Whatever you focus on, you're going to get like it or not. And I recently uh, posted a story. I grew up really fat. I wasn't big boned. I wasn't husky. As much as people <laughs> told me that I was fat, I would get bullied. I got beat up until I learned how to fight. Right. And my parents, to, th- you know, they were largely at fault because they would give me thirds and fourths of pasta and carb loading food and whatever. And I didn't move. Right. So I gained weight. Anyways, but they wouldn't let me be a victim. They said, well, get in shape, work out. I could never do it because I was always focused on what I didn't want. I Mm. don't want to be fat. Mm. Well, telling your body, telling the universe, telling your mind, I don't want to be fat. You might as well be saying, I want to be fat because your body doesn't hear the don't want. They just hear fat, 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 right? Well, in junior high, one day I played basketball. And one day at basketball practice, I beat everyone in the sprints. I was like, what? I had never, I was always last picked for the team. Well, I kept doing it and doing it. And I'm like, I'm kind of quick. You know, guy asked me, a coach said, I want you to come out for the track team. Sure. I went out for the track team, started winning with my brother, calls it my, bil- my milk belly, right? <laughs> I Despite that, well, I determined, I, I found something I really liked. I liked winning. I liked running. So my goal then became better, be, be faster, be a better runner. So I started running more. I started focusing on what I wanted. I want to win that race. I want to get that medal. I want to break the record instead of being, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be fat. Over the summer, I got an incredible shape. Like people didn't recognize me. We're talking seventh grade, seventh, eighth grade, didn't recognize me after the summer. I broke the cross country record for our junior high, right? The key is here, focus on what you want instead of what you don't want. I don't want a job that sucks. You know what your mind is hearing? Sucks. You're gonna attract more. I don't like that person. You focus on, you know, it's so easy because that's what we're conditioned to do. Focus on our weaknesses, focus on what you don't want. Define what you don't want. And so we constantly reinforce what we don't want. And then we're surprised when we get, over the last two years, people focus on, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. You ever notice that the people who are so worried about getting sick, get sick.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And that's not a
1: judgment of this and that, of everything going on in the world. But that on which you focus on, you're going to get, like it or not.
0: And, and we've known this for years, right? James Allen wrote about it 100 and plus yes. years ago and said, We have a system. If you focus on disease care, then you get disease focus and we have a disease focused system. And so, of course, people focus on their symptoms. They focus on their problem. They focus on whereas we need a well focused system. Right. Focus on what you want. A healthy body. Focus on health. Our health care system is not. It's a disease care system. And and this this pandemic has definitely been a, a huge revelation in that in that area but it's just confirming what those of us that study mind science understand the power of the brain and and the power of obviously a community of brains right the power of the mastermind when you put all those brains together and if they focus on the wrong thing they're going to get the wrong results
1: And, and some of it is energy and metaphysics but if you're listening and you're like i don't buy into that okay let's just talk pure physical the physical reality right if you have a clear intention in the morning, the thousands of micro actions that you take throughout the day are going to follow that intention. Mm. And if you're not clear on that intention, I mean, I'll start off with some business owners and I'm like, how many hours do you want to work and how much do you want to make? (laughs) I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. It's like, well, if you don't have an intention, you're going to either not build the revenue you want or you're going to build the revenue and be working too many hours. Like get clear. And that, that first piece clearing out the, crap in your brain <laughs> right because our, our we're often clogged with our thoughts mm. get to zero first get to mindlessness and uh chang changza uh, one of the early taoist writers talked about fasting the mind oh. before you fill in the great thoughts and the positivity get to zero and i compare it to let's say you're sitting on your couch like I want to go into the kitchen, my, get my favorite glass and pour a nice refreshing glass of water. But you go into the kitchen and your favorite glass, huh, someone was doing gardening with it. There's dirt in my glass. Well, would you take the water and pour it on top of the dirt? No, because you'd be drinking mud. You got to take the glass clean it out before you put in the good water. This is comparable to all those people who say positivity is not working. It's because you're pouring the water on top of dirt, on top of that negative, on top of the limiting, on top of the bogus beliefs that you have and you're creating mud in your day and saying positivity doesn't work. First, you got to clear out the limiting subconscious beliefs that you have and then start putting it in with your intention
0: for the day, the week, the month, the year. Oh, so good. You've mentioned so much great stuff, right? <laughs> and that's really the power of meditation, right? Even if you add five minutes of meditation into your day, it gives you that, that opportunity to have, just just be mindful of and present in, in that moment and give your brain a chance to to not just focus on your breathing, right? It's just get rid of all that other stuff. Yeah. But I really, really liked what you said about how many hours do you want to work? And how much income do you want to have? And what, what does your life, what does this business and life look like that you, that you want? Right. And, and when they don't know, they get exactly what they, what they think about because they don't know. And they're just, they're just chase basically they own their job. They, they've, they've become an entrepreneur and they own their job and they have a terrible boss.
1: And this is the problem when we talk about work-life balance. Oh, I'm seeking work-life balance. And I always invite people to take that term, set it on fire, flush it down the toilet, throw it in the trash. Because there's not work in life, there's just life. And how you spend the time in life is up to you. If you think you can, you can throw your relationships and self-care to the wolves because I'm going to focus on work, then you're going to lose your relationships and you're going to lose your self-care. So I urge people to look at the three facets of life, relationships, self-care, and yes, work and career. But instead of what, doing what we always do, which you just referenced, which is I'm going to get really clear on my career, et cetera, and define that, but then shoehorn in my relationships, and my self-care, that's when we end up with disease, divorce, mm-hmm. su- you know, suicide, anxiety, depression, and all that. So I urge people to live an aligned life, mm-hmm. a life in which your life is in alignment, all three facets. And, and like you said, get clear on what you want your days to look like. Yeah, and if you get clear on that, then reverse engineer from there and build it and create it.
0: Yeah, the, the whole balance idea, right? It just reminds me, you know, I ask, you know, when you were a kid on the playground and you used the teeter-totter, what had to happen when, you're, when you and your friend got it balanced and, and each end, what did you have to do? You had to freeze. You had to hold yeah. still, right? Keep it keep it balanced as long as possible. And if anybody moved, so the idea of, of balance in our work life, our, our home life, and all those things means that Oh, it's the perfect moment. Stop. Everybody freeze. Nobody do yeah. anything. Right. And of course it's, I, I love to think of it, you know, because of the energy and ideas is, is harmony, right? You, you need that harmony. So I like the word alignment that, that you're using as well, because harmony and alignment are, are congruent, right. That, that you've got to know what you want in your home life. You've got to know what you want in your work life. And you've got to know how those two can, can integrate, you know, especially, you know, it's hard to work on a marriage it's hard to raise kids and it's hard to have you know run a company and and do all those things and if you got to recognize that those things are challenges now you right. can face them as challenges or like you said you focus on one because it's really important especially entrepreneurs tend to think i got to bring home the bacon the money's the important thing that's how i i'm taking care of my family working 80 hours a week but i'm bringing in the money and have a terrible relationship with my wife because I'm never there and I'm focused on work, my business all of the time, and my kids are trashing my wife because I am not helping and <laughs> coming alongside right. of her, and and yeah, so that those three facets are so important to have that alignment and know what, you, like you said, know what you want. Yeah.
1: yeah, and the people who you know, anyone who's listening who's like, well, you're saying money's not important. No, it's that the people who are in the state that you mentioned who are constantly worrying about money are the ones who are constantly worrying about money because they never have enough. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I, I just interviewed Dr. Joe Vitale, law oh. of attraction coach. And he nice. said, listen, the flow of abundance is always moving. What we're good at doing is building dams on the river <laughs> instead of jumping into the flow. And Ooh. so like you mentioned that teeter totter in the seesaw, I have a slide that I do want to give speeches sometimes to talk about this. And it's someone on a, a tight over the grand Canyon. It's like, well, If you do that once or twice and you're skilled in doing that, that's probably fun, right? It's an adrenaline boost. But you mentioned the word freeze. Well, unless you're trained to do it, you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, cortisol, anxiety. Enough of us are in that mode anyways too much, and it creates disease, creates energy blocks, creates everything, right? If you're in that mode every single day, is that fun?
0: Mm, balance, no trying
1: to not to fall off and die. That's survival mode. And I, I, I made up a word. I say get from survival mode to thrival mode. And to do that, you've got to let go. You've got to allow, you've got to clearly define what you want, reverse engineer it, make your intention every day. I am, I am prosperous. My bank account is full. My relationships are wonderful. I am healthy. Notice I said, I am, instead of mm. I'm going to get, Ooh, so I'm going to make money. Your body that, that, That's weasel words right? You're, you're, it's a cop-out. You're saying, maybe I'll get it. And, and then it's like it's like playing the slots. Luck. It's like, maybe I'll luck into it today. Maybe I'll do that. No, you got to have a process to back it up. Like, I'm going to book a call today. Well, I don't sit on the couch and say, clients are going to call me. I reach out. I produce content, right? But again, it's those micro actions that stem from your intention, Um But most people freeze up and say, I got to survive. I got to make money. I got to make money. And they never have money. And they wonder why. And look at guys like you and I talking about this and saying, oh, it's just magic.
0: Oh, yeah. It's like, that's that's absolutely not what we are saying. And if you're hearing that, you need to stop and and you need to really listen, because I will absolutely tell you, I am in business to make money. I am absolutely I started my entrepreneurial journey to make money. And everyone out there that has a job took that job. To make money. And so let's stop pretending that we're not in this to make money. Now, if making money is your driver, then you've got something wrong and you're gonna be broken and it's not gonna work. You have to have a purpose for that money, right? So Absolutely. your purpose needs to be in alignment with your values, in alignment with what you want, but then again, that's part of the design. The design has to be: I want to make money to make this difference in the world for my family, to make this difference in the world for, for others, and and that's your purpose. And that's why you need to have a purpose. You need to have a why that you know, and that has to be designed as well. And And I think it's it's so important. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, it's all this woo-woo, be happy. Well, guess what? It works because when you say those I am statements and you back up with micro-movements following your plan, you're taking action. And luck luck is not A thing. What happens because people have created opportunities, and guess what? Their mind recognizes the opportunity. Every one of us is presented with opportunities, thousands of them every day. And the person that's prepared, and the person that knows where they're going, and knows what they need to make their business grow, sees those opportunities because they're in alignment with them. (laughs) That, That harmony exists, and and they're like, "Whoop, man, that was great!" Right? We create the luck because of the preparation in our mind and the preparation in our lifestyle following that design.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and the more we say things like, and I catch myself, right. It's, it's programming. 95% of our cognition is programming. And, and if I catch myself saying good luck, I'm like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Best wishes, best mm. wishes or, or that, because the more, the words we say are important because mm. we listen to them and you say good luck. And, and, and you're telling yourself that life is a slot machine. And I'll tell you how to control and guarantee making money at the slots. You don't play them. That's a decision. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like if you want to go and have fun and play the slots, that's great. But realize that things stem from your decision. Um, and by the way, not making a decision is a decision. Absolutely. You know, and listen, if, if, if you're skillful at poker, that's a little different. But life is not a slot machine. And where you choose to go, everything is a decision. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how uh, when you talk about health, people don't connect the dots between what they put in their mouth and how they move in their health, and they think it's luck. Oh, how unlucky that person is for their health. Mm. That person is manifesting the actions related to their health. When you look at money, wow, well, that person is constantly worried that they don't have enough money. Exactly. That's why they don't have enough money, because their actions stem from that, and they're in constant fight, flight, or freeze. And so a lot of this, if you, if you listen to us, all of it goes back to allowing instead of forcing. Mm-hmm. It goes back to getting clear on your intention and then allowing the flow to take you there. It, it, it involves walking up to the river of abundance and just getting in it instead of, I'm afraid of the water. It's going to be too cold. Oh my gosh, look at that water. And then you get picky and say, I don't think that water's for me. It's not in my essence because your subconscious programming is, is playing tricks on you. And then you're like, no, no, no. The best way to do it is I have to stop the water. So I gotta force the water to stop and and be the way I am, and so we and that's what we're conditioned to as humans. Mm. It's there's us and there's nature. Every time we separate ourselves from nature, we get into a ton of problems, <laughs> and you know health wise, prosperity wise, relationship wise. Realize that you're nature. Realize that everything's in flow. Everything's dying and 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 living and dying. The the tides go in. They come out. Get into that flow of nature. You're going to be happier. You're going to be healthier, and you're going to realize that there are certain things that are outside of your control, and that's great. What you and I are saying isn't you're not going to control what you do, but you're still going to set an intention. And one last thing, when I when I have an intention, and I sit there and say today is going to be a twenty thousand dollar day, which mm-hmm. by the way happens. Uh, one of the things I say at the end is, this or something better. Mm-hmm. This or something better. Because if today's meant to be a thirty-five thousand dollar day, I don't want to limit that either. Right. And I heard that from uh, Dr. Joe Vitali. He says, "Ask for this or something better." I'm like, "Oh, that is perfect." Because sometimes we 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 sell ourselves short. Mm. I want today to be a five dollar day. Yeah. So what if it's meant to be a thousand dollar day?
0: Well, so. and that's and that goes back to the the more right. Oh, I want more money. Right. And then you find a penny on the street. Well, you're done. Right. <laughs> That's a penny <laughs> right. more than you had before. Yeah. But the intention has to be specific. It has to be a number. It has to be clear. And and more isn't enough. <laughs> you know, and I like that. Twenty thousand dollar day. Thirty five thousand dollar a day. Be willing to be willing to, to challenge, challenge that belief. And then when you say that. Right. How is your body reacting inside? What is the limiting belief that You know, I can have a twenty thousand dollar day, and and you look in your gut, and you're going, do you do you believe that, right? Are you are you manifesting that? And I think it really does become identity. Like you as a young man, you were fat, and you saw yourself as fat, and until you until your identity changed to I'm a runner, I'm fast, right? Yeah. And and hear that, right? I am fast. I am a runner, and. And you're now focused on what you can do instead of what you can't do, and and I think, like you said, we get stuck in fight, fright, or freeze mode. And there's people that are living in that place, and they and they relish it. I call it um, they're 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 comfortable being miserable, or or, you know, and 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 that's become their comfort zone that the drama around their lives and the, and the things that they say they don't want. Oh, I, I don't want this broken relationship. I'm so miserable, but they stay, they stay in this bad, you know, unhealthy relationship because it's all they know and and it's what they are meant. And they don't, I think for many of them, they don't believe they deserve something better. Right. Because they just, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, this is what the world has put out for me. God doesn't like me. And, and you know, this, this is the best relationship that I can get. Right. Or this is the best job I can get. and, and they Absolutely. don't believe they have possibilities. And of course, yeah. all of us have that unlimited possibility if we just choose something different. Like you chose to no longer be fat, right? Even though you obviously started running and you were still fat, but, but your identity shifts. And right. then, and then your, your body starts to match the identity that your mind is envisioning.
1: Absolutely, it's it's and you mentioned the miserable and comfort zone. The the subtitle of my book was "Escape Your Comfort Zone of Misery." It can be a comfort zone even if you're miserable. Um, You know, you mentioned identity and you mentioned fat and and identifying. Well, people have to realize there's a lot of talk about identity these days. That identity is a real thing. It's not. Identity is created by you. It's an illusion. So when you realize that, you might as well create one that's in line with your intentions. Yes. And so. It's like I'm going to identify and my entire persona is going to be my sexual preference. And that's not judging anyone. What I'm going to say is no matter what your identity is, it's fake. Are you limiting yourself to being just a human, as Alan Watts put it, a bag of skin with an ego inside, right? My, my view is to each their own. Everyone chooses their own thing, right? Right. If I'm only going to identify myself by my sexual proclivities, by my gender or something like that, I'm disempowering myself. Absolutely. You are so much more than any of that. And so identity when you realize it's an illusion, then you realize, wow, if it's an illusion, why don't I create the identity I want? And and you know, some people would say, well, no, 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 it's mean to tell Curtis fat. You know what? He's big-boned and husky. What you're doing is making it more palatable to live in that comfort zone of misery. Well, just become, become okay with being unhealthy, right? And, and I wanna say this, listen, I've taken 20 hours of nutrition and fitness training, primal health coach certification over the last couple of years. So I know that your waistline alone isn't a picture of health. But I also know, especially over the last two years, that if you're obese, you're unhealthy. You don't be mean to a person, but helping people feel great about being unhealthy is a problem because you are creating an identity, in illusion that people start to believe. So when people said, Kurt, you're just big boned and you're husky, that was cruel to me. They Absolutely. thought they were helping, but it's cruel to me because I stuck. Now me saying, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be fat. I don't identify as fat either. I'm not telling people that. Identify as healthy. Don't in your meditations in the morning say, "Uh, I'm going to be fat. I don't want to be fat anymore. I'm going to get healthy. You're telling your body to be fat. Instead, focus. Every morning I say, I am healed, healthy, and hard. I am healed, Mm -hmm. healthy, and hard. And I literally picture every single one of my muscles being hard. I picture a six pack. I picture all of that. I make my future my present and I focus on that and I know I will be healed. I will be healthy and I will be hard instead of saying I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, right? Your identity is an illusion that you create. Might as well create an identity for the life you want to live.
0: Absolutely. And and that applies to relationships. It applies to your job and your business, whether whether you have a job or, or business, you know, that work personality, it, it applies to your health, of course. Uh, and and you, you get to choose and you get to design that. And it, it's like the idea, why choose to be miserable? Why choose to be in that fight, flight or freeze mode constantly? And it's not about switching jobs. It's not about, it's literally about changing your mind about Right. And that we call it, I talk about changing your story, right? What is the story you're telling yourself about your life? We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com. A-D-D value, A-D-D value Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Right. And you have the you have the right to change that story. Now you can't change the things that have happened to you. You can't change if you've been traumatized or abused or but you can change how that impacts you. You can change how that affects the person that you are. You don't have to be a victim. You can own it and you can change the story you tell yourself moving forward. And and why not tell a story that's empowering you? Why not tell a story that's that's Moving you in the direction of your dreams.
1: Absolutely. And uh, there was a a speaker here uh, in Sedona. This was in in probably September of last year. And he gave a speech and he gave this line that I just every day I think of. And he said, we are, each of us, creators creating creation. Mm. Everything we do is creating. Right, You and I have a beard. We're creating here. Right? As you grow, you cre- everything you do is about creation. Mm. Our moms created us with the help of our dads. You, know, you go through that process. Everything is creation. So when you realize that, that you are a divine creator, and a lot of people who are deeply, quote, unquote, religious, meaning they follow certain rules and that's it, would have you believe that's sacrilegious. Mm. There's God and then there's us. It's, you know, yeah, we were
0: created in his image.
1: Exactly. But you know what? Some people think that as we're separate, and I like to take away the words mm-hmm. his hers, because I grew up Catholic, right? And I went to Catholic schools, and every day we had to say we call it the Our Father. You mm-hmm. may say call it the Lord's Prayer. And you know, now I've had talks with someone who said, well, we never taught you that, right? But there's things that are left unsaid and in, in programming that when <laughs> we say give us give us this day our daily bread, involves us picturing God as a man with a beard on a throne right? This anthropomorphic version of God. So part of that is, by the way, us imagining that he's created in our image instead of the other way around, oh, right? Which, geez. Which is a problem. The other piece is daily bread. We look at it as I'm going to go and beg for scraps because I need something today. My God, give me $10 today. And they look at daily bread as begging. Mm. A big changer for me was realizing that Daily bread is what we were given at birth. We were given everything we need to succeed. Freedom is our birthright. Prosperity is our birthright. And our greatest power is our ability to think creatively. When you're in freeze mode, you're not thinking creatively. When you're in beg mode, you're not thinking creatively. You know, when you look at something and instead of saying, I can't do that, saying, how can I get this done? That requires you to use your creative power. If you look at praying as begging, if you look at daily bread as, please God, give me my scraps today, instead of, I'm grateful that God gave me the ability to think creatively. And maybe the biggest sin is not using the gift I was given. That is so much more empowering. And I know people who argue that's sacrilegious. Okay, great. If you want to be disempowered, keep thinking that way. But I've read the Bible cover to cover five times. And so people can quote me scripture all the time. A lot is left to interpretation. And by the way, people have to realize the Bible we're reading now is after millennia of tweaking by humans and right. certain things, right? I've actually read the Aramaic version of the Bible, much different. So, so things are in your interpretation, of course, but instead of begging, start using the gifts you were given. It's, it's a far different
0: interpretation. Well, and I really like what you recognized in there, right? The not just the things that we were taught, but the assumptions that went, went with those things. Right. That weren't corrected. (laughs) And and partly they weren't corrected because they weren't recognized. Right. It's kind of like our parents taking us to the store and making a statement. No, you can't have that toy. We can't afford it. Right. I mean, it's the same kind of assumptions happen in, in that kind of conversation. Right. Our brain says, Oh, we're poor. And, and, and really it's mom and dad didn't want to say, well, there's no room in our budget for that toy which would have been a much better lesson right <laughs> but right. but that's not how parents were, were taught and, and 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 so there but that recognition of the assumptions that we make and the things that our brain our brain puts on those things i love i know that the one difference between humanity and all the other creatures that were created is our ability to create now now you can say the birds make a little birdhouse and they they make their shelters other animals make a shelter but but the truth is they function instinctually and humanity functions creatively. And, and you can just obviously just look around your room, right? Everything in the room around you was created by a human being. And, and I like to say that things were created twice, right? Once in the mind of God and once in the mind of man and, and, and then brought into, into reality. And it's so empowering to to think of yourself as a creative being and i'm not saying artist or you know painter or singer obviously those are those are creatives who've really tapped into the source and are really you know putting it out there but each of us has that each of us has that when you write words on a piece of paper when you right. when you create your business plan when you when you write a note to your wife or your kids that's you're creating you're putting something out there and i think the piece we miss is that the idea that there's this divine guidance and it's just going to lead the way and just, you know, but we were given free will as well. So we're creative beings with free will, which means you've got to do it. You have to choose to make it happen. You can't just pray and sit on the couch and hope that God's going to make it, you know, the universe or God's going to make everything happen for you. That, right. That's not how it works. You, you, you pray, right? Or you, you set your intentions, your I am statements and you take action, right? Right. To move towards what it is that you're creating in the world for the good of humanity. And you mentioned,
1: you know, birds and, and, and other wild animals uh, uh, acting on instinct. The interesting piece is that we have instinct as well and we have intuition. We need more of the wild animal in us <laughs> to use more of our intuition because we, sure. we don't rely on intuition a lot. Um, or I shouldn't say that. You know, there's the yin and the yang you know, in a number of Eastern philosophy traditions. But over the last hundred years, quantum physicists have discovered, oh, wow, they were actually right, right? The polarities, and we all have the yin and the yang in us, right? And if you read the gospel, you can even find pieces of that, right? Well, it's interesting, right? When you look at the yin and the yang and you look at, say, our hot cognition, cold cognition, our conscious versus our subconscious. If our subconscious, we were trained for a few things one is not to trust it through the <laughs> scarcity programming but we also have filled it in with scarcity programming so that our intuition instead of create that birdhouse like a or a bir- that bird's nest like a bird has is oh my gosh that's dangerous don't create the bird's nest what if i spend an hour trying to look for sticks to create my bird's nest um but i don't get it right i i did boxing for several years and when you get into the ring, if you're, if you're sitting watching a boxing match on the side, you're calm, right? Well, you have nothing to lose. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm watching someone else beat each other up. You know, I have nothing to lose. And so you might look at someone who's getting hit and they should have gone left when they should have gone right. It's easy to sit there and judge them. What you don't realize is when you get in the ring and you look across the ring and you see someone across the ring who wants to come and knock your head off, when that bell goes off, your conscious and creative thinking is gone, because you're in fight, flight, or freeze. It's all based on subconscious. This is why boxers train day after day after day. Their subconscious becomes where they can trust their intuition, and it's natural, and they use it, because I will tell you, when that bell rings, there's no creative thinking. Your heart's in your throat, and that's it. So if you're not trained, you just sit there, and you get pounded,
0: absolutely
1: this is what happens in our life we don't create we don't have enough of the intuition that the animals have because we haven't invested in it and all our intuition is to just Mm. freeze and and be risk averse right so there's no mix of the conscious and the creative with the intuition that's where the true power comes in
0: yeah this reminds me of mike tyson's quote right like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face yeah and that's when your intuition has to take over and, and I use the example all the time of athletes. We talk about on the show a lot about the, the amount of work that Olympic class athletes, professional athletes put in to get to where they are. And it, and it's not just the, the work, right? It's the repetitions. And it's the, so they're, they're programming their subconscious so that it is intuition. When they're out there playing and they throw the ball sideways, upside down and make a play like that, it was their, it was just, man, they were winging it right? But they're winging it based on thousands and thousands of hours of practice yeah. that makes it work. And entrepreneurs want to start a business and they want to run Facebook ads and, and expect to get, you know, 4,200 people to sign up for their course, but they haven't done the reps.
1: Yeah. 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 got to be
0: okay doing the reps.
1: There's an old uh, Taoist story. Um, I, I believe Changsa wrote this as well, where the King goes to the butcher. And the butcher is a master butcher and he's cutting up an ox and he just, it's like artwork and he's got his knife and it cuts through the. And he says, Oh my gosh, what do you, you know? And he explains to the king, he said, look at, look at all those who are not yet masters. Hmm. When I was their age, I would go through like three knives a year and all I saw was the map. So I saw where not to cut in addition to cut. And so it was like, it was, this, that, and the other thing. And I would go through three knives a year. He said, now that I'm a master, basically all I do is I just see the areas where the, the knife is going to just melt through. And I haven't changed my knife in years. <laughs> and the point of that story is you can't just say, I'm going to wake up today and be in a flow state. You know, certain things you can, right? You can allow prosperity. You can do those things. But when it comes to something that takes a skill to get in that flow state, like you said, it takes the repetition. By the way, getting in a flow state of prosperity, you can't just meditate this morning and all of a sudden it, it takes every day and getting used to it and, and sitting down and, and not sitting down saying, well, Kurt said you have to get in this certain state. And, you know, I've read of people getting in you know, out of body experiences during meditation. And I used to say, meditation is not working because I'm not having an out of body experience. Well, Then meditation becomes like everything else we do in life, a competition, something to be achieved. And now when I wake up in the morning, sometimes at five in the morning, I don't feel like sitting on that. I feel like going and getting coffee. (laughs) But my goal is just sit and chill, sit, chill and breathe. Mm. And that's it. And when I start on that, as I, uh, Thich Han, who passed away this week, uh, this weekend, Buddhist monk, mm. author, just incredible. And he wrote a lot about interfaith as well. So don't be worried that you're going to read something by a Buddhist and all of a sudden be sinning, right? He, he passed away this weekend and he said, the best way I tell people to start meditating is, you know, you sit down, you let your belly go out and there's certain, yeah, there's certain ways I sit, but breathe in through your belly and say, as I breathe in, know, as I breathe in, I smile. As I breathe out, I relax. Mm. And what I find is, your mind, my mind, will wander. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm having that thought. I'm just going to bring it back to smiling and relaxing. And all the to-do list, the task list. Oh, I got that call today. Oh, I got to do this. You're not. When you're thinking on your, you can't. Two thoughts can't occupy the same space at the same time. So if you're thinking about your breath and relaxation, you are present. Instead of worrying about the future or marinating in the past.
0: Yep. I always, yeah, you have to bring it back to breathing and you have to be okay with those random thoughts. And and I like the the smile and relax. That's, those are so good. Um, Simple and, and, and and pretty powerful. All right. I don't want to get too far along without having a conversation about your family and about how you spent the last year, typically I'd ask you about your favorite date night, but instead I want to ask about what you and your wife did, uh, in, in 2020.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, but I do want to mention date nights because that's right, it, it's it. something, uh, well, I, I often, in my book, I write about, um, you know, uh, I have 10 statements. It's called the freedom index. Please don't ask me to say them all now. I could recite a bunch of them, but I don't have my memory, but one of them is, do you have at least two dates per month with your significant other, mm. your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. And I I, I used to have a Facebook group where I posted this. And half the people were like, only two dates per month? And I said, well, if you want to do more, yes, but minimum. The other half said, I can't do two dates per month. I can't find the time. I can't afford it and all that. And my point is, the date doesn't have to be dinner at an expensive restaurant. It doesn't even have to be a movie. It could be a walk with your wife when your kids aren't around. Let's go. My wife and I went hiking this weekend together. It could be that. We went to dinner on Friday. You know, it could be that. But the two dates, because relationships are important. In terms of my wife and I, um, we have four kids. Our youngest is seven. We have three boys and a girl. Our oldest is our girl. She's 15. uh, And then we have three boys. Our youngest is seven. Back in 2020, you know, we had been traveling around the world. We went to Italy, we went to France, we went to England, a number of ways. I went and get a speaking gig in Cairo. We like traveling. Well, in 2020, we also don't like being told what to do necessarily, right? In (laughs) 2020, there was a, well, there still is, but we couldn't travel. And we were bummed and we had plans. And that was our intention to travel. (laughs) Instead of getting frustrated and saying, they won't let me travel, they won't let me travel. We sold our home, donated almost everything we owned and hit the road on a freedom adventure and when i say donate some of it was donated some of it was we sold our very expensive dining room table at a song why cuz we just wanted to sell it right and it didn't it didn't become it wasn't about the money for us and so having these young families come to our house and furnish their homes and us participating in that we were in the flow of prosperity right? With them, our prosperity helped them. So it felt great. Well, we traveled. we were at the mountains. We were up in North Georgia. Uh, we were at the beaches, desert, etc. cetera. We pulled into Sedona, Arizona, end of the summer and just felt the energy really got into a flow state. Each of us feel healthy. And so we said, we're going to stay a while. We, we just grabbed a house, which by the way, I manifested uh, the house. The housing market here is crazy. It's competitive and you will miss out on like three or four homes. You got to get there first, I actually put together a sales kit. It's crazy. Everyone's coming, coming in from California, raising the rises, right? Well, I meditated every day. And in my meditation, my intention, I pictured the home we wanted. And instead of saying, I want to get that home, I said, we are healthy and happy in our home. I pictured the home. What The next step with the law of attraction is once you set the intention, you have to be aware because things will come in front of you. If you're not aware, the law of attraction doesn't work. So I started looking then, I looked on uh, Facebook, no, it wasn't Facebook market, it was a local thing, maybe it was Craigslist, found the home that I was seeing in my head for 30 days. Mm. We were the first ones there, I brought in the sales kit, we're in the home now, and we have it for a year, and it's just one of many stories I have over the course of my career where I have manifested exactly what I wanted, but also manifested the life I didn't want. And both of those are incredible learning
0: experiences in and of themselves. Absolutely. So what was, what was your favorite experience of that, of that travel time?
1: Yeah, it, it was just kind of the pulling into the house for the first time and that excitement of where are we? We're by the beach. Oh my gosh, where are we? you know, and, and realizing that, um, it was a pattern interrupt of attachment to stuff. Mm. You know, and, and, and it's we had, done, we had gone a long way toward doing that. But until you actually do it, you start to realize, you know, we've talked a little bit about scripture and there's a story of the guy coming up to Jesus and saying, what do I have to do to enter the gates of heaven? And he said, sell all your stuff. A lot of people interpret that as a scarcity minded thing, saying money's bad. You can only be poor to make it into heaven. It wasn't about that. Just like people misinterpret and they say money's the root of all evil. No, it's love of money. It's obsession with money. Like you said, if money becomes the goal instead of as a way, as a receipt for value and energy. And so people, the same people who would lecture us about that also thought we were weirdos for doing what we did. I said, hey, I've been doing what you did. Oh, no, it's not about that because you're still making money. It's like, no, the key is being attached to it. If you wrap your meaning around stuff, guess what? Everyone learned in 2020. Other people, the government, others can take away your stuff. You've put yourself at their mercy. If you detach from stuff, even little things like my wife's like, I used to be like, we furnished our current house, like Goodwill and other places with beautiful, almost brand new furniture from really rich people who died. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, great. We don't care anymore. We're not attached to it. That's been overall the greatest piece. Mm. Also, just learning to jump in with the dance, jumping in with the dance and letting it see where it takes us. That has been the greatest experience. And um, it's people say, oh, well, you got a lot more nerve than I do. It's not nerve. It's a skill. Once you do it, you want more. Mm. Once you do more, you want more from there. And it's a journey and it's taken a while.
0: Yeah. Love that. Well, and, and the connection you, you mentioned earlier about jumping in the flow, right? Recognizing that there's a flow, there's a energy moves, energy is constantly right. moving. Money is energy. Our thought life is energy and we're stagnant. We spend so much time standing still, going backwards, dying instead of jumping in the flow and energy multiplies, right? Energy, I mean, it can't be created or destroyed, but, but if you're an attractor of energy, those people that are sitting around on the couch, guess who's getting their energy? Absolutely. The people that are flowing. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you guys don't want it, we're going to take it. <laughs> and we're going to use it for the good of the world.
1: And if, and if you're so worried about losing or dying or getting hurt that you refuse to jump in with the flow,
0: mm.
1: you know, in sales, it's not that salespeople and great salespeople love knows. It's that we're not so afraid of the yeses that we're willing to plow through some nose to get there. You know, over the last two years, there are some people who are so afraid of dying that they've, they're killing themselves for lack of a better term. And those around them,
0: they're manifesting exactly what they don't want.
1: Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta not be afraid to jump in with the flow. And, and, you know, I told that story about, being fat and then running and stuff, one of my problems and then, then as I started running was that I started, they call it choking. Well, choking mm. is just another word for manifesting that which you want. And what I was focused on was what if I run really hard, it's going to cause a lot of pain and then I lose.
0: Mm.
1: And so I started, quote unquote, choking. Well, choking mm. is just a manifestation of what you don't want. That's what it is. Mm. And so that was for years, you know, and, and I I still struggle with it. Everyone does. Sure. It's just a matter of being aware and trying to work with it.
0: Mm, So good. Oh, you mentioned something in there. Now my brain just lost it. (laughs) Oh, it'll come back. So what inspires you, Kurt? What
1: inspires me? uh, The word creativity Mm -hmm. and the word creation, because, um, You know, I know some people would say, oh, my wife inspires me. My kids, they do inspire me. But without being inspired by creation, I can't be inspired or inspiring to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with the people around me. Same with the, you know, it's, you're going to attract people in your life that you want, even if you don't want them. (laughs) Right? And, and so starting every day with creation, you know, Jerry and Esther Hicks call it the deliberative creative process. They have a process called the creative workshop where you just focus on, this is what I want. If you don't know what career you want, focus on the end goal of having a full bank account and being happy at a desk. Don't worry. This is another thing. We often let the how get in the way of the what. And so if you're focused on creation, you don't have time to worry about the how right you're worried about the end result where i want to go and then you reverse engineer it to put the pieces in place but if you don't define where you want to go and put yourself there it's a lot harder to do that
0: yeah i mean it's you know we're all used to these gpss now and and if you don't put an <laughs> end des- you don't put an end destination she can't tell you where to turn right yeah but so many of us want the end destination without realizing that there's just work to be done but recognizing right. that if you if you know what you're manifesting and you know what your end destination is, figuring out the process and then getting excited about the process, right, the journey. So that's another scarcity idea that, that success is this destination, right? The idea that I've made it. There's nowhere to make it. There's nowhere to land. There's nowhere to go. You choose the outcomes that you're – and the challenge is, of course – we, we have to start with the outcome because we need to know where we're going. But then we have to be willing to let go of the outcome and right. take the journey.
1: And like you said, put in the work. And that doesn't mean hustling grind because then you're getting in that freeze mode. There's an old uh, Zen saying that before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. Mm. After enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. And so it, it takes defining the destination, but then willing to do what gets there. And you know, some people will kid themselves saying... Well, OK, I've defined the clients I want, but now you're telling me I have to reach out to people and talk to them on the phone. That's not in my essence. And you, Kurt, you said get in the state of flow. It's like yeah. now you're just rationalizing laziness. You know, I can say I'm healthy, healed and hard. But if I sit and eat Kit Kats all day and never get any movement, so there's that's the yin and the yang right? The yin is saying, I'm going to allow this into my life. The yang is I'm going to get up off the couch and go for a walk, you know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. But, and and I think relationally, people s- settle, right? I mean, you. I think we, we settle in all those areas. We settle with our health. All of us know, and, and you mentioned earlier about Obviously, I think our culture has taught us that food is emotion, and you eat with your feelings, and you look at the menu, and you you pick the thing that's going to make you feel the best, rather than thinking of food as fuel and and focusing right. on what does my body need, what does my brain need to to function the best. And so we have a lot to undo in that system, right? To to help people feed the the animal inside us. That's another place we ignore our instincts, right? We allow the sugar and the processed and convenience to take priority over what our body actually craves because we don't listen to our body. We listen to this. We think it's craving donuts and that's our emotions (laughs) instead of the real cravings that our body's really saying, Oh no, I need, I need those vegetables and I need those, those other proteins and I need these things Um, because we've, we've ignored it for so long that are, we no longer recognize those signals and we've replaced it with those emotional signals. And I, and I think that's, part of the process you have to, like you said, I'm healthy. I'm happy, healthy, and hard. I, part of that means I got, what does my body need to get hard? Right. 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 Like you said, eating Kit Kats all day long on the couch isn't going to cut it.
1: Yeah. And consistent, you know, when you're consistent, then you don't have the guilt and shame I like to tell people with your nutrition, you know, 80% of your fitness is what you put in your mouth, right? And, and then going and walking, getting movement, those types of things. But you've got to get out of the, the cycle of guilt and shame mm. that you feel if you have a piece of cake. And so what I tell people is 80-20 rule. Be 80% consistent. Then you don't feel guilt and shame if you have a dessert on Friday or whatever because then you just go back. And so some people try so hard. I want cold turkey uh, and they're freezing on it. And they're like, I'm not going to eat that. It's bad. It's good. It's bad. Instead of just saying, what do I want? I want to be healthy. Yeah. Okay. I had that. Um, you know, I, I know that's not going to make me feel great, but that's fine. Tomorrow I'm 80% there, but it's that consistency with sales. It's like, you know, great mindset hack, be consistent and get more proposals out. Then you won't be at the whim of anxiety every time you get a no
0: because
1: mm, then you're like well i got 10 more yeses coming through so that yeah. consistency is so very important because mm-hmm. guilt and shame is like caffeine or alcohol it's a drug mm. you can become addicted to guilt shame fear anger mm. and whatever so when on the topic of consumption it's not just food mm. it's what you're putting in your brain it's the media uh you know it's all those things become an addiction even if you say i don't like them well, the guilt and the shame is making a chemical cortisol reaction. Your body actually gets addicted to that. Mm. So my, get addicted to feeling good, uh, not a pleasure good, but a lasting, meaningful goodness. And that's when you it'll be easy to be more consistent because you like how you feel when you go to the gym. You may not like the drive to the gym in the first couple sets, but you love how you feel when you do it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's starting to figure out the journey, right? Like recognizing that yes lives in the land of no and and yeah. you've got to explore the land of no to find the yeses and and it's not it's not it's not personal it's process and right. and i think we get so caught up in the journey and, and our emotions you know like you said we we get fed by the the guilt and shame and so oh they said no they don't like me oh they said no they don't like me and it's just not a match and 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 that's okay right. because but if you do the process, you get enough yeses that you forget the noes. The noes no longer matter. The yeses are what's matter. The yes is the most important. The yes is the one that's going to pay the bills. So right. why get caught up in the noes? Let's focus on the yes because the yes is a lot more fun.
1: And sometimes the no's are just a not right now. Right. You know, I've had clients who hire me a year and a half later because they weren't ready yet. My wife and I dated, broke up, and then like a year later got back together. <laughs> I didn't try to sell her on it. It was just one of those things where... If you're an attraction in sales and re- whatever relationship, you're going to attract. Maybe mm. not right now, because maybe there's something between the two magnets, but if you're meant to attract, you will attract. And that's really what sales
0: is. Mm. That's so good. Well, and I really think the adventure is right. Stop getting so caught up in the destination and just enjoy the journey, mm-hmm. be present right? I just read a quote this morning that talked about so many, so many people are so focused on their past and imagining a future that they're forgetting that this is the moment. This is the time you have control over. This is the only thing you have any impact on. You can't change what happened behind you. You can't make force anything to happen in the future, but you can do right now. And so what is your process? What is it, What are the things that you're repeating? Like you said, date night twice a month. For some, that's that's miraculous. That that will revolutionize their relationship, right? If they, if they spend two nights, you know, a month focused on their wife and present with their partner, that they're going to change their, their relationship. Now, for some of us that spend tons of time with, with our spouse to do something extra special, you know, you, you, you have to add, because part of my journey has been a commitment to time with my wife. And I can tell you that over 30 years, I've honored that. And, and when I skip it or miss it, she knows that something happened. Right. And yeah, but, it, but we didn't get through 30 years of marriage by, by pretending it was intentional. And, and, and we, we set those, those intentions and we honor them. And you honor those intentions by, by repeating it over and over and over and over again. Um, and I think you can do the same in relationships. You can do the same in your business. And of course you can do the same with your money. yeah yeah Yeah. figure out how to enjoy the journey because if you're not enjoying the journey you're not enjoying the things you're doing every day you're doing something wrong
1: there's an old story about a guy he was in a field and a lion pops up and starts chasing him so he starts running like mad right he's scared and he comes up and oh my gosh there's a cliff but he sees a rope going down the cliff so he said well this is my only escape route it's either this or get eaten by the lion so he starts climbing down the rope and looks down and there's lions at the bottom of the rope There's a lion at the top of the rope. There's a lion at the bottom of the rope. He's stressed. He looks up. He sees his past, right? And he's terrified. He looks down and sees his future. Either way, I'm dead. And suddenly he looks ahead of him and growing out of the side of the mountain is a beautiful flower. And he looks at the flower. He reaches out with one hand, smells it, and he's happy. And that's the end of the story. Now, when I tell that story, it's very telling with people's mindset. That's irresponsible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hope it smelled good because he's about to die. How people react is a very telling uh, statement on their mindset and the programming they have mm. that they think it's their duty. It's their actual duty to stress about the future or marinate in the past. Mm. And it's like, listen, there's things you can control. There's things you can't control this guy. Maybe he's going to wait out the lions. Maybe he's not, maybe he's going to get eaten, but you know, right now in this moment, right now, it's the only thing that actually exists Try and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great way for us to come to an end. Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time today. I have really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope the folks listening have gotten a great deal of value from it.
1: Robert, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com In our next episode, Ken Rachon helps us celebrate our 100th episode in the publication of Robert's first book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success, which was written in 100 hours and published in 39 days. Ken shares about connection and the power of gratitude. But more importantly, he shares the power of his why.